I want to say thanks to Pastor Bellarmi for that special music. Uh, I love that not only do we get to experience his extraordinary gifts for ministry, but he also reminds us and embodies for us that Christianity is a global phenomenon, that God is doing things all over the world in beautiful ways in the United Methodist Church all over the world, and thank God for that. Now, Matt, my husband and I have a nephew who will turn two years old this coming week. And he lives in Denver, so we don't get to see him very often, which means every time we do see him, he has changed and grown a lot. Now, fortunately, we were able to see him on July 4th, and he was getting more coordinated and has a longer attention span than he had at Christmas, but it was most fun to hear for ourselves that he has also started talking. He doesn't have very many words in his vocabulary yet, and just like with any toddler, we had to learn how to recognize what he was saying, right? We needed some translation help from his parents that first day we were with him, but we caught on pretty quickly to Luke speak, and over the days we were with him, we noticed that he has a clear top five favorite words right now. Now, he says mama and daddy plenty, but those are actually not the most common words to come out of his mouth. No, his current top five words are stuck. It's amazing how often things get stuck when you're two years old. Uh, ouch. He's very quick to notice band-aids or scars, and he'll point to them and say ouch. Um, outside. Now, this is probably one of his favorite words that weekend because his grandmother bought him a tricycle and he persistently wanted to go outside to ride it on the driveway. Cars, he's a big fan of cars, pointing lots of cars, 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 cars. And then, so that's stuck, ouch, outside, cars, and rounding out the top five, poop. <laughs> now, I'm sure that the next time we see him, his top five favorite words will have changed, right? He's gaining new words every single week. And so many of you parents and grandparents know how fun it is to watch a child discover and learn language. It's fascinating, and it's, it's a near-miraculous process. It's the process, actually, that helps set us apart as human beings. Our ability to communicate with one another through speech is one of our most powerful gifts. Well, so right now for Luke, every word is a victory, right? It's something to be celebrated and enjoyed. But eventually, he's going to learn enough words to put sentences together. And at some point, his parents are going to have to help him know that we don't say all the words that we know just anytime we want. <laughs> like right now when he says poop, it's funny. But eventually, he's going to come to learn that talking about poop is only appropriate in certain situations with certain people. And this is now the sermon that I've said the word poop the most times in my whole life. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. <laughs> but Luke's going to have to learn, like all of us learn, that speaking is not value neutral, right? It has the ability to build up and it has the ability to harm. And it takes great wisdom for us to know how to use our speech well. Now, why speech is something that's addressed in a lot of places in the Bible, and it is one of the key topics of the book of Proverbs. We're spending a few weeks this summer talking about the book of Proverbs, mining it for some inspiration, looking for clues about how we grow in our faith. And last week, Pastor Bellarmi shared with us some Proverbs that he had learned growing up in the Congo, which was very fun. This week, I came across a very special proverb that I want to share with you, 
It doesn't have anything to do with wise speech, but it's a gem. So I just felt like I needed to pass it along to you. I can't even remember where I read it this week. But it says, never wrestle with a pig. Does anybody know this proper? Never wrestle with a pig. You both get dirty, and the pig likes it. <laughs> so that's like bonus proverb content for you guys today. That's free of charge. Okay. Now. Back to the scriptural topic, <laughs> wise speech. And this is something that we actually have plenty of non-biblical proverbs about as well. One that immediately comes to mind for me was a favorite of my grandmother. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? And then one that always makes me laugh, better to be quiet and thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. But from the passage today in Proverbs, we, we get two Proverbs that are directly about speech. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. And then the wise lay up knowledge, but the babbling of a fool brings ruin near. In both of these, we see the truth that speech reveals our character. Or perhaps another way to say it is our character is expressed in how we speak to others. We may understand ourselves to be kind and generous people, but if we only have words of criticism for others, or we go around barking orders, no one is going to experience us as a kind and generous person. Or we may say, yes, I take others' ideas seriously, I listen to other people, but if we are always insisting on talking first and talking longest and talking loudest, no one is going to experience us as someone who supports other people. Our speech reveals much about the state of our heart. Now, overall, we can say the sages of Proverbs want us to talk less, and they want us to measure our words carefully. And Pastor Rebecca gave us just a wonderful example of that idea. Their idea is to have us wait a moment, that not to rush to speech, to take time to gather our thoughts, to sift through our emotions, and therefore, when we do speak, that we're able to do it with both grace and truth. I mean, has this happened to you that you write an email or a text message and then you read it over before sending it and you think, maybe I didn't quite get that right. And so you erase it and you rewrite. And then maybe you read that rewrite and you think, is that really what I needed to say? And you erase again. I've had moments when it takes three or four rewrites for me to really be satisfied and be ready to send. And what's good about that process is by the time I'm on that fourth draft, I'm a lot calmer. And I've thought through a lot more fully what I really want to communicate. And that message ends up creating much less conflict usually. Sometimes after that third rewrite, I decide I don't need to send the message at all and I just hit delete. Those are probably my moments of greatest wisdom. And sometimes, like happened to me on Friday, I'm staring at that text or email, still trying to decide if I need to rewrite it one more time, and I accidentally hit send instead of delete. Not a good feeling. The writer of Proverbs says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but, prudence, prudent, but the prudent are restrained in their speech. Now, those writers had no idea about text messages or emails and that process of pausing, rethinking, rewriting, but that's exactly what they're advising us to do, to be careful what we say, 
to consider carefully the impact of our words. Now, it's a lot harder to do that when we're in conversation, of course, let alone when we're in a fight with somebody than it is when we're texting or emailing or on social media. But I guess I would think that all of us have had a moment when we speak or text or email or post too soon and we realize that if we had paused to reflect a little more, our words would have come out differently. For the sages, proper speech is precious. It's compared to silver or gold. It's expressed eloquently and graciously. It's beneficial, it's gentle, it's just. It's honest, it's reliable, it's appropriate to its time. It brings good to others. It's a fountain of life. It's a means of deliverance. Now, why speech was hard enough for the writers of Proverbs when they wrote the book? How much more is it difficult for us now in this world of the internet when we have so many more ways to communicate and use our speech than we used to? In some ways, I think that we are living in an age where we are overwhelmed with words. So many words around us and so much information they're trying to convey. Think about social media, think about 24-hour news channels, or think about talk radio. We have created so many avenues with which we can communicate. I wonder sometimes if we are actually over-communicating with one another. I mean, think about some big news event happens in the world, and I can encounter the thoughts and opinions of not only journalists and experts, not only the people in my house, but also I can see what all of my friends think about it, and all of my sort of friends and all of the other random people that I've picked up as social media context. And then Twitter goes and suggests to me people I've never even heard of to tell me what they think about this news event. And I don't know that I need like even 90% of that information. And it's not particularly edifying to me, but it doesn't stop me from doom scrolling on my phone. So how do we manage wise speech in an environment like this? When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but the prudent are restrained in their speech. I worry that sometimes we decide with so many words and the ability to shout out our thoughts to the whole world in an instant that, that we decide that what we say doesn't matter. But I want to remind you this morning, it does matter. It very much matters. Because the things that we say can bring life or they can bring hurt. You know, children learn that rhyme, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But even as children, we know it's not true. Words do hurt. We can cut one another down with our words. We can do violence with our words. Or we can bring life. Our speech is powerful. This power of speech, it's celebrated from the first page of the Bible. Did you realize that the very first thing that God does in the Bible is speak? In the beginning... The book of Genesis starts, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept across the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God's first act in scripture is to speak. And it's simply by God's word that the whole world is created and the word of the Lord continues to be a powerful force throughout the biblical story. God speaks and things change. And we, we who are made in God's image, our speech also carries great power. We have power in our words to build up or to tear down. 
I suspect you have a moment or two in your life when someone said something to you that stuck with you even all these years later. I have a mentor who tells this story about how in college he was full of conviction about a particular presidential candidate. And one day he was explaining to a professor why this particular candidate was the only man for the moment, sharing with complete conviction and righteous judgment as only the truly converted are able to do. And after hearing this whole big rant that my mentor laid out, the professor looked at him kindly and simply said, I'd invite you to rethink that. It was such a gentle invitation. A quiet way to say, maybe you don't know everything you think you know. What's even more amazing is my mentor actually did rethink it, and he changed his mind. And more importantly, he began to see the world was not quite as black and white as he thought. His professor made this profound impact with just six words more so than he would have with a big, long debate about politics. And now, over 40 years later, my mentor still uses that gentle phrase for himself and for others. I'd invite you to rethink that. Or maybe you have a moment when someone said something to you that brought life to you because it helped you see yourself in a new way. I can still picture the room where I was sitting in the basement of First Mennonite Church in Denver sitting on some awful floral hand-me-down couches that came straight from the 1970s, when after I had given the morning devotional, my boss for the summer looked at me and said, Amy, I see a pastor's heart in you. Now, other people had said to me, oh, you're going to wind up as a pastor one day. But this man, he said it with kindness and appreciation and a love that I had not heard from other people. He said it in a way that I could hear it. And he helped give me the courage five months later to apply to seminary. Now, this is the amazing thing about wise speech. It has the power to give life. It allows us to express the love and joy and hope and courage that we have as followers of Jesus. Wise speech helps us show God to the world. And not just in those moments when we're talking explicitly about God, about God's forgiveness or God's mercy or God's love. Also, just in the way that we talk to other people every day. When we do that as people of faith, when we seek to be wise in our speech, we can embody the goodness of God's love. When we're talking or when we're texting or when we're responding to emails or, or even what we post on social media. Now, of course, you know, being wise in our speech, it's not just a matter of deciding, okay, Good idea? I'm going to be a wise speaker from now on. That's it. All done. <laughs> no. It takes a lot of work, a lot of reflection, a lot of humility, and a lot of prayer. So here are a few things to keep in mind as we try to govern our speech. They come from a clinical psychologist named Rick Hansen, but they line up just almost completely with what the sages of Proverbs would tell us is wise speech or holy speech. So Hansen says, Wise speech, first of all, is well-intended. It comes from goodwill, not ill-will. It's constructive. It's aimed to build up, not to tear down. So you've got to check your heart a little bit and say, where am I? Am I meaning the best as I speak? Well-intended. Secondly, it's true. This one just feels huge to me. It's true, which he means it's not overstated. It's not taken out of context. It's not blown up out of proportion. That's like... 90% of social media, right? It's true. Thirdly, it's beneficial. It helps things get better. 
not worse, even if the getting better takes some time. Fourthly, it's timely. So it's not impulsive, and it rests on a foundation that creates a good chance of it being truly heard. Fourthly, it's not harsh. And he said, it can be firm, it can be pointed, it can be intense. There are times that we have to confront mistreatment, we have to confront injustice, we have to acknowledge our own anger, but we can do that in a way that doesn't prosecute other people, that's not nasty, that's not inflammatory, that's not dismissive, that's not disdainful, and that's not snarky. So it's not harsh. And then lastly, he says, if possible, wise speech is wanted by the other person. Now, they may not want to hear it, and that might mean that you don't even need to say it. But there are cases when you need to speak your own truth or speak for yourself, even if the other person doesn't want to hear it, but then it's more likely to go well if we remember those other four things. So it's well-intended, it's true, it's beneficial, it's timely, it's not harsh, and if possible, it's wanted by the other person. My challenge to you this week is to take some time and reflect on your own speech. Now, one way that you could do this is at the end of the day to do an exercise that's called the daily examine, which is a very old spiritual practice that helps us draw closer to God. It simply means that before the day is done, that you take time to review your day. And you think to yourself, where did my words bring life today? Where did my words bring life today? And then you say thanks to God for the chance to build others up as you do good in the world. And then you say to yourself, where is it that my words caused harm today? And then you repent and you ask God's forgiveness. And you pray about whether or not you need to follow up with anybody tomorrow because of something you said today. Finally, then you pray asking God to help you be one who speaks wisely from the heart with both truth and grace. Thanks be to God. Amen.